0: simple really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. On this episode of the Tea with Mike show we're diving into uh, cyber security and uh, sustainability uh, with Waylon Hogwood. Come join us, learn some new fat things and enjoy a good cup of tea. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Tea with Mike show. Uh, Today we're going to be diving deep uh, into cyber security and a lot of other interesting topics that I don't know much about, but that's the whole purpose of the show. Uh, so please welcome uh, to the Tea with Mike show, uh, Waylon. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Awesome. No no worries. Excited, as I just said, i super excited to learn some new things today. Uh, okay. Yeah, me too. So, so let's start nice and easy. Like, where, where do you call home and where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, always, you know, so many people answer that question so differently, but right now I live in Colorado and where I live is what I call home. I have an apartment here while I attend school, but I grew up in um, kind of southern Colorado near the sand dunes with my family. They raised me off grid in these mountains there for a a while. but I eventually uh, left to study at university, and now where I am now is
0: home to me. Awesome, man. Uh, what, were your, what were some of your uh, f- favorite hobbies as a child? Oh man,
1: I really loved playing chess with my dad in the morning. Uh, I'd always I've always been like an early riser, um, and so I'd wake up early and. Uh, it was so exciting because he would let me have coffee occasionally. You know, when you're a little kid, and your parents give you coffee. It's yeah, pretty a, exciting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> a hyper room, like
1: let's go. Yeah. Yeah, and we played a lot of chess in the mornings and like watched the sunrise while we played chess. And pretty memorable. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, and what do you what what do you cherish the most about that per, that particular like I guess memory like w- with your dad? How did it help build a relationship between the the two of you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, um, it was was wonderful. I think there was a lot of learning um, and kind of like a a really, really wonderful dynamic. Because, you know, at first I didn't know how to play chess at all, you know, but then I got good enough or I would like beat him every now and then. And it was really cool to be supported in that learning environment with like a father figure, but also, you know, kind of work up to garnering that respect where you're no longer just like a kid and like people go easy on you, you know. You're You're playing the same level, if not
0: better, than your opponent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was a super exciting and motivating factor for me as a young child.
0: (laughs) Nice, man. Like, any other hobbies, like kicking around? Any anything computer related or science related? You know, from my early childhood,
1: not not a ton. Um, we actually grew up off grid, so we had very little interaction with, you know, computers and stuff like that. My father was a um, a big solar and hot water heating systems guy, so kind of more of like hardware and industrial controls and stuff like that. But I never got into computers um, until I left to go to boarding school. was probably my first, you know, big thing. And then I got into playing video games. And I mean, even my first bachelor's was not computer science. So it, it took me a while to make the full circle into the computer science.
0: Nice, man uh, and so uh, okay so off grid living in uh, Colorado what early riser playing chess with your dad sounds really cool really great um so 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 then. so what was school like did you have any like favorite subjects school was absolutely so small so I was, I was talking about small
1: schools everybody's like oh yeah my school had like a couple thousand kids pretty small my whole class—I was only four four kids in my whole class. I think K through 12, there was 80 84 students, um, and so it's really, really small. And you know, there are good things about that, and there are also challenging things. You know, like challenging things, like if you don't get along with somebody, it can be challenging because you have to stay with them and work it out. And make up and become friends again, but also super valuable, you know, interpersonal skills. And I think the relationship that I had with my classmates that was built over those challenging times was really valuable. Um, I did love mathematics um, in grade school before I went to boarding school was one of my favorite topics. Um, and uh, yeah, I was kind of, thought how the school was, it was very small, very very intimate environments. We'd go skiing a lot. Um, but yeah.
0: Awesome. And uh, and then so, what was graduation like? How many? You, because you said you were the class of like four people, right? Well, I well I went to a
1: boarding school. Oh, okay. So I went. I did like K through like eight at this. It was called the Creston Charter School. It was really small. And then I went to a boarding school for high school. And it was a little bit bigger, um, and it was out in in Carbondale, Colorado, which is kind of in between Aspen and Glenwood.
0: And and what was that transition like for you, going from this like small town vibe, where you where you probably you everyone from the teacher to to the janitor? Like, what was that transition like?
1: Uh, It was really exciting, honestly. I was very excited to meet a whole bunch of new people. Um, And I was quite fortunate. I really loved the the high school I went to. And I think they really provided a wonderful education and a lot of interpersonal skills about, like, community and you know like what are your values you know and we you know talked about hard questions and had wonderful team building And yeah it was bigger but i think still my class only had like 20 something kids so it was still fairly small um but to me it was the biggest school i'd ever been to so i thought it was big
0: (laughs) yeah for sure so so do you think um do you think your uh, childhood, which is not not as common, let's say not unusual, but not as common, um, as 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 path? Um, do you think that like smaller setting where you could learn some some of these like refine some of these key skills, like the interpersonal school skills, as you as you as you mentioned with arguing with people like in your class? Do you think that set set you up well for that like next step?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I I do. I have a lot of gratitude for the kind of you know semi alternative childhood I had, you know, and I I always you know credit a lot of that to developing like mindfulness, you know, because when you're living kind of in the middle of nowhere, there's a lot less distraction going on, so you have like a lot more um, time to like reflect on like the decisions you make and the hard decisions and who you are, and what do you want to do, and who do you want to be, and those are not always easy things to reflect about, and oftentimes they're challenging, and we try to find distractions and avoid answering those questions, but I think they're probably some of the things that I'm the most grateful for coming from that alternative,
0: you know, upbringing. Also, man. And then, so, so obviously like you well, obviously I know you obviously graduated and then what was, what was that moment when you decided that you wanted to major in uh, mathematics? Yeah. Um, it took
1: me actually a little while for me to decide what I wanted to, to study. Um, um, yeah. So I finished boarding school and I decided to go to university here in Colorado. Um, study at Colorado State. And I think I was originally planning to study like biochemical engineering, something crazy. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me. This is a little <laughs> insane. And, and, you know, it, it uses some of the skills that I enjoy, but, you know, it's a lot of a commitment to just go full force into that. And I had switched around a little bit before I studied or uh, settled on mathematics. I was originally biochemical engineering and then I switched to business and then I actually switched to fashion design for a brief moment um, and then settled on mathematics after I had taken like one of the business calculus courses. And it just reminded me, you know, like how I mentioned I loved mathematics in grade school. I, I was super nostalgic and I've always been very curious on like the nature of reality and it's all super subjective a lot of the time and hard to find like really solid uh, um, material to contemplate and think about and mathematics was really solid and had a clean set of rules and i was like this is a really you know nice nice way to kind of describe the world in terms of the mathematics it's it's solid it's not incredibly abstract um, not that there aren't abstract parts about mathematics <laughs> But that's kind of my original draw to mathematics there.
0: And okay, and and then um, what was the kind of the moment when you transitioned? F- f- for, so you, did you did you fi- did you finish that major?
1: Yeah, so I finished my bachelor of science in mathematics, and right. now I'm in grad school studying computer science.
0: Perfect. And so so why did you decide to like take a step and be going out like right away and finding a job? Yeah,
1: uh, great questions. Um, uh, I think in my undergraduate studies, when I was studying mathematics, I never thought about how I would want this to be a career for myself. I was like, I'm studying mathematics because I like it, not because I want a specific job. And so by the time it came around, I graduated. I was working as a cybersecurity intern for the academic computing and networking services at my university. And so we were doing um, cybersecurity initiatives for them, and I really enjoyed it. Um, And fortunately for me, mathematics plays a big role um, in encryption, which is pretty fundamental and important piece of cybersecurity Um, and so I graduated and I was like oh my god what am I gonna do you know like as a mathematician they say you either teach or you like do insurance and theoretical mathematicians do nothing but math theory (laughs) you know and so there's all these jokes about these math careers and I was working in cybersecurity and I was like, you know what, in addition to apply to a couple jobs, I'm going to also apply to grad school in computer science because I've been really enjoying my internship. And to be quite honest, I I owe um, that internship a lot for where I am right now. I was working under the, the chief information security officer for the university, and um, he wrote me a great letter of recommendation. And I didn't even expect to get in because my application was kind of last minute and then it happened and here we are.
0: Nice. Uh, Can you maybe expand a little bit on on what you do in your job in the academic? You still work in the academic computing and networking thing, don't you?
1: Well I I was working there actually until um, just the beginning of this academic semester I accepted uh, a new a new job and the new job i accepted is um it's an assistantship so i'm very fortunate um, to have the opportunity but the university sponsored my tuition for this job so this job is now i work as a system administrator and a teaching assistant so i help teach one of the computer science security courses oh cool and then i Help the system administrators uh, manage the computer science networks at the university. Yeah, at the university. So it's a different role within the same university. Yeah, same university, yeah. different department. Oh, also,
0: awesome. and uh, so, so what? What's the most challenging part of your new role? Oh man.
1: Um. <laughs> Yeah, so my, my new role is is half teaching assistant and half system administration. Yeah. And I like the system administration more because mm-hmm. I get to learn so much. And, you know, you have a lot of responsibility as a system administrator. You know, with the wrong keystrokes, you can destroy the entire network. Um, and then I, I dislike the teaching assistant one not because I dislike teaching but because as a teaching assistant you do a lot of the grunt work so a lot of what I do as a teaching assistant is grading assignments yeah you know and it's it's more busy work than it is super engaging there are some engaging parts I do really like you know talking with the students in that class and answering their questions it's pretty fulfilling but um I'd say, you know, doing the busy work is the most tedious and challenging part of my appointment because uh, it's the most monotonous.
0: Awesome. And then, so, so, so and you but, you, but you just like, obviously prefer that the more, the, the more hands on, the self learning things that are like helping you develop your like knowledge base, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's all in the system administration. I also have some wonderful, um, bosses and co-workers in the system administration department and i learned so much for them from them and they're so smart and i'm grateful to be working with them
0: oh. right, awesome and so far what would you say is the number one thing uh, you've learned from uh, your co-workers and colleagues
1: um i think
0: uh, uh
1: a lot of it's like a lot of uh I'd say it's an interpersonal skill and it's a collaborative environment. You know, Uh, oftentimes at a new position, it can be intimidating if you don't know how to do something. Uh, But they've been incredibly uh, open about being, uh, encouraging me to ask questions. And I think that's really taught me a lot about constructive working environments. And they've been really supportive and they really patient and it makes me want to you know exhibit those similar interpersonal skills in my life and has been because you know you can learn technical things like you know like mathematics or system administration but a lot of it is kind of like memorization or mnemonics and stuff like what does this command do on this system you know and it's you can all learn those and memorize all of them and be a great system administrator you can also have a good learning environment and a bad learning environment yeah. and the support of a good learning environment is has been probably the most valuable um,
0: there. Awesome and then so has has your personality like, always been like have you always been quite good at like interpersonal skills and and like creating like conversations? and working into like team-like environments or is that something or is that something that has developed over time from when you like back from when you were in childhood and when you were in school yeah um i think it's always been really natural to me
1: and i think part of it is you know that (coughs) curiosity of like meeting new people um and Growing up off grid, you know, is, is so isolated, you know, and so yes. super excited to meet new people whenever I've met them. And Just so I think that, me. yes, <laughs> yeah, are you okay? Don't die over there. I'm to the right, carry on, sorry, that was weird. Um But I think in the beginning of my, you know, academic career, it was a lot more playful. And, you know, I was just having fun meeting people and hanging out with people. And it was so exciting to me, you know, being at a university is the biggest place I had ever lived. But I think towards the end of my degree and my transition, I started to value like my social interactions a little bit less and discipline a little bit more. And, you know, I've come to realize I was like, oh, yeah, like grad school is really hard, you know, (laughs) Uh, I, I have to, you know, really want this and really work really hard. And I was reflecting on my goals and my aspirations and not only what they are, but that in order to achieve them, I have to work really hard, you know, like hard work is fulfilling, you know, and it's difficult and it's difficult to be consistent and disciplined but it's because those things are difficult that make them valuable you know if it was easy everybody would do it so i'd perfect. say my values started really playful and exciting and kind of tended toward being more, more disciplined and trying to be more uh focused on my goals and working harder on them
0: nice uh, and would you uh, and would you say that has there been anybody that has uh, influenced uh, your values?
1: Oh my God, that's such a great question. <laughs> oh, like alive people, like people currently in my life, or like yeah, yeah, sure. Like
0: maybe you've had some mentors as you've been learning more about the industry in in the internships and through your university course, and then all the way through to the beginning of your life with your parents or a mixture, that type of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. And it's, it's hard for me to answer because I've always valued independence so strongly, you know, like I always wanted to prove to any, everybody that I I can stand on my own two feet and, and I can do this and I can do it on my own. And I don't, I don't need any help. Um, and being said, you know, everybody needs help, you know, regardless of how independent and strong you are. Or if you don't, you know, everybody can benefit from it. And it's not shameful to take it. Um, I think currently one of the strongly influential people in my life um, is my really close friend and business owner, Chase Knoll And um, I think Uh, We really have seen eye to eye on both. We're both very ambitious people and in a little bit different ways. And as a result, we have both value like discipline and hard work so much, but not in a way that makes us jaded or, you know, at least neither of us want to be jaded. And I'm always inspired um, by his level of kindness and gentleness and compassion that couples his discipline and hard work you know, and introspection, you know, because when people think discipline, they think like, ah, I got to (laughs) work hard and be no fun. But he is is incredibly kind and compassionate as well as being very disciplined. And that's always been really inspiring to me.
0: Awesome, man. And then so the tea fact for the episode is, uh, more often than not, uh, tea producing uh, plantations are between... 3,000 and 7,000 feet uh, above uh, sea level and that comes from uh, uh, teahow.com so always time for some tea facts on the Tea with Mike show wonderful I love to learn about that I love tea by the way I I know you like coffee but I I will forgive you because you are an interesting uh, human being person (laughs) with good stories all right. So as well as balancing academics, which is already quite impressive with the two um, uh, master's d- degrees and the internships to develop your uh, c- craft and work and, and maybe maybe uh, netting it out playing chess uh, still with your dad. Do you still play chess with your dad?
1: You know, it's been quite a while since I've played chess with my dad because he, he now lives in Portland, Oregon when I do visit him we do play play chess or cards one or the other.
0: fantastic and then and then so, so and then it's by understanding that you founded your own business to add to all these different components of your life and that business is called humble shaped. Do you want to tell us a little bit about humble shaped?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, so I can never you know do just one thing. I always want to do everything. so I, I had uh, started a lot of businesses before Humble shapes, and a lot of them didn't work out so great, you know, kind of the trading wheels. you try and fail a couple times. Um, but with humble shapes, um I originally came across the concept when I was doing keyword analytics um. I stumbled across some, some keyword analytics software where basically you got to see how many times people searched for different keywords and you can kind of see like social trends that way. Like, Oh, these keywords are really, really hot. You know, people are searching for this a lot. And this is a very kind of sophisticated way that a lot of people nowadays do a lot of market research this way. Um, And I kind of, didn't know that it was a well, well documented thing. And I was like, Oh, wow, there's a lot of keywords for this. So, you know, you could, I started scheming, you could probably make, make a, a product that fit these keywords, you know, or, Oh, you can see a lot of people are searching for this, you know, this is a related to this right. that, you know, whatever this is, and we could make products like this. But I also, you know, didn't want to just mass produce a lot of junk, you know, because so many people make, make money just mass producing junk. And, you know, I had this idea where if I'm going to be a, a business, I want to help hold myself accountable to be, you know, like an ethical business in my mind. And part of that meant, you know, trying to have a, a Good uh, low carbon footprint or a no carbon footprint or produce sustainable products, this, that, and the other. And that led me to do research and sustainability keywords. And that eventually drew me to these, the products that we decided to make and manufacture, which are the beeswax wraps. Um, and so Humble Shapes manufactures a bunch of beeswax wraps and they're they're aimed to kind of be a sustainable alternative to like saran wrap or aluminum foil. They have beeswax in them. So they create an airtight seal and you can keep food fresh and then, and they're reusable and biodegradable and all this stuff. And so built humble shapes to, uh, I actually decided to put them in a Amazon warehouse and, um, use Amazon's fulfillment to, uh, sell the wax these wax wraps and that's that's the birth of humble shapes and and how is humble shapes going so far humble shapes is doing all right right now i've been like you said i've been so busy fortunately i have a lot of the fulfillment automated working with amazon and so that is quite nice I, I feel like I could be working more on Humble Shapes if I wasn't in, in doing so much in computer science, but I'm a lot more interested in computer science. So right now, Humble Shapes is kind of, you know, on the back burner and it's, it's automated for the it's most part. Right?
0: It's doing so its, its own extra, thing. yeah.
1: Yeah, and so now I'm trying to build a tech company, or scheming about a tech company as well as working on my my thesis and stuff
0: in my school. No, cool, cool. Uh, and so, how how did you come up with with, with the the concept to um, create the uh, the product of the beeswax food wrap?
1: Yeah. So the, there's a lot of uh, keyword search for for beeswax products and food wrap products and I, it's not my original product. I wasn't the first one to make these beeswax rafts, but there was very few of them on the market when I was doing their keyword searches and there was a lot of search volume. And I went on Amazon and I did some analytics and there was a high demand and a low supply. And there was not very many of these products. And so I was like, you know what? I'm this is, gonna let's go. this is a this is a hot spot. I'm gonna try and make a really good product and, you know, put it here.
0: Awesome. And then, so how okay? So so, how long did it take you to, to to like manufacture this these products? Because lots of people have lots of ideas. A Gazillion people thought of Uber before Uber. You you get my point. You're very intelligent. So so, yeah. how long did it take to go f- from the idea on paper to live?
1: Forget yeah. It. So I think um, it was twenty nineteen May when I started scheming, you know, and we got the products uh, for sale on Amazon in October. Um, So a couple months um, and it was it was challenging months. I learned a lot. I did a lot of things I'd never did before. I ordered lots of samples from contract manufacturers and tried to make good samples, tried to design packaging, failed had paid somebody to help me with graphic design for my packaging. Um, And then eventually, you know, I found a manufacturer I really liked. I was like, yeah, these are good. Let's do these after making some adjustments. And I sent all my money to the contract manufacturer and I held my breath and I was like,
0: hope this works.
1: And fortunately, I had done enough due diligence that, yes, we had manufactured the products and got them to the warehouses they needed to be, and I had to do a little bit of SEO and listing optimization, and uh, then we lifted off.
0: Awesome. And then, obviously, through this challenging process of, like, for for a lot of stuff that you didn't know but you had to learn on the fly. There must have been moments where you where you were like, I'm busy enough already with the computer science and and, and that lane. Like, like why am I doing this? So, what what is it? What what is it? Well, yeah, why why did you not give up? Why did you keep like going?
1: Yeah, uh, another good question. Fortunately, I, I was able to balance things because so this was this was the summer right before. I finished my undergraduate. So I was still in my undergraduate studies. I didn't have as many computer science obligations. Undergraduate degrees are not as difficult as master's programs. So the coursework was a little bit more manageable. And then it was also over the summer. So I was able to devote most of my time towards building Humble Shapes. Um, that being said, it was still very hard and there were times where I was like, I don't know, should I even be doing this? This could be crazy. You know, is it going to work if it doesn't work? You know, I'm kind of out of my savings, you know, yeah. (laughs) what what, what do I do? And there has definitely been times where I have been incredibly financially stressed because of my decision to build Humble Shapes. Um... And, you know it takes a lot of money and to this day we're 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 doing well um, and projected to you know be positive but you t- takes a lot of startup capital and it takes a lot of time to slowly turn it over to you know be uh, uh, sustainable for itself and then ideally profitable for you um, and I think I think it was, one, exciting to learn new things and do new things. And, you know, everybody is like, you're crazy. You're just going to, like, send all your money to a manufacturer. Like, what if they never talk to you again? And I was like, you know, I'm not going to live my life in fear. Like, I want to do a lot of things with my life. And if I'm going to do even half of them, I have to take a lot of risks. And they might not work out but that's okay because it's a really valuable experience in itself, you know, uh, like in all honesty, if, if, if I would have sent all of my, my, if I would have failed miserably, it would have still been an incredibly valuable spe- experience. And I would have h- hoped that I did it anyway, you know? Yes. You know, it, like reminds me of that, like I think it was that Thomas Edison quote about, I, I learned, like 200 or something ways not to make a light bulb. I didn't fail, you know? And it's like, you have to do things to learn and you got to take risks, you know? Very, but it's also really exciting and invigorating. And sometimes it doesn't work out and it really knocks you on your knees and takes a while to, you know, get back on your feet. But I, I think it's
0: worth it personally awesome and so why the name humble shaped
1: another great question yeah so i had actually originally filed it under the company name islands and i was originally it it was a hard it's a very hard thing to choose your your business name um and so i wanted a name to be elegant and i wanted a name to be humble because humility is really important to me and I wanted um, it to also you know, be broad enough that if I wanted to build other products, I could also do other products. Yeah, I didn't want to put myself in a box. And it took me a while to come to Humble Shapes. And I was brainstorming. I was writing down all these keywords and ideas. And I was like, is this word nice? Is this a good brand name? Um, but I came up with Humble Shapes one day and I was like, this is perfect. This is a really nice name and i was really glad i did I, I like the name a lot
0: nice man and then so what makes your product different from other similar products on the market oh yeah totally so a lot of other products so i,
1: I did market research when i was trying to figure this out i i looked at all of my Competitors, and I looked at their negative reviews and I was like, what is bad about this? How did you
0: swap analysis? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I saw customers complaining about the degree of stick that the wraps had, whether it was too sticky and the beeswax residue got stuck on their hands and everywhere, or it wasn't sticky enough. And I was like, okay, you know what I have to do? I have to find the perfect balance of functionality and convenience here. And so that's what I optimized in my products to make them differentiate. And then, you know, of course you have competitive pricing, this, that, and the other, do our best to, you know, be one of the more affordable options.
0: Awesome. uh, and then obviously, as you know, and lots of people uh, know, you can have all these great design skills, you, you can get, get it to market. But another big component of, of the journey and the process is telling people about this uh, fantastic product. So talk to us a little bit about how you, I, I know you said it was a little bit automated, but how do you prom- how do you pr- promote the product? Yeah,
1: great question. Marketing is um, incredibly challenging and incredibly exciting and can be a lot of fun and can be very frustrating. Um, and so a lot of the ways that I market humble shapes, well, do you want to know about the ways that I tried and didn't work or about the yes, ways that I tried and didn't work? that is piece that people will get the most from. Go ahead, man.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So I was like, I knew I had to have a website and I knew I had to have social media. Um, accounts for humble shape because I was like this is the 20th century everything's online there are so many people doing well on social media marketing I have to do this This is really important now I originally tried to do every single social media for humble shapes and it was way too much and a lot of it wasn't super relevant you know like my demographic for humble shapes it's kind of like stay-at-home moms you know it's not a business-to-business you know it's business to consumer okay um, and i was on on linkedin you know and i was like this is not the right place for humble shapes to be um and i so i i tried and decided the same with twitter I, twitter was you know not I'm, I'm sure there's potential for humble shapes to do well on twitter but yeah. it was not the yeah. primary places that i wanted to be to reach my audience and I, so I tried LinkedIn, failed, tried Twitter, failed. Instagram was okay, I liked Instagram. It wasn't the hottest place, but there was value to be marketing on Instagram. And same with Facebook, you know, same same company. But the place I found to work the best for humble shapes was marketing on Pinterest. Um, so I found that was where my demographic was, you know, people like, to cook on Pinterest, very artsy, you know, it's a lot of like stay-at-home moms on Pinterest. A lot of people are about sustainability on Pinterest. And so Pinterest has been um, the primary place that I found to do social media marketing with um, Humble Shapes. You also have to do these things called pay-per-click ads for Amazon products where you have to do Amazon advertising. And so I had to do fortunately it was more keyword optimization what keywords do I want to advertise for and I had already done that in the past so those are kind of the the two avenues of marketing that I had done for humble shapes and then I did a little bit of PR I did like a radio show and another podcast and a newspaper interview and stuff but um you know, it's hard to measure how well those do um, without, like, doing, like, coupon codes, and I'm very analytical, you know, I always like to measure things, (laughs) Nice. able to.
0: Nice, and then, so, let's see, what plans do you have uh, for continuing uh, the theme of uh, sustainability and uh, future uh, products that you may uh, eventually launch.
1: It's a great question. Um, um, products launched under Humble Shapes or products launched um, under uh, new ventures?
0: Both. Uh, how are you going to keep? How are you going to keep this value? I believe it's a value for you of like ethical and sustainability. How are you going to keep? Those things are the forefront of future things that you may or may not
1: desire. Yeah, totally. Great question. So if I do build more products under Humble Shapes, they will all be sustainable products. Um, and depending on where my what what my future holds, you know, I may also you know work to build my own fulfillment center, you know, for Humble Shapes that could be more sustainable than Amazon Fulfillment, but that requires a lot of financial resources. So a lot of that depends on how things go for me.
0: I look, um, I look forward to seeing you on Shark Tank in a few years. I know that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, you would go on Shark Tank if that was
1: a I, re- I I might enjoy being on Shark Tank. I might not. I, I'm very excited to be building software and writing code because there's a lot of valuable things that you can do with computer science. Um, How you keep uh, those sorts of software companies sustainable, you know, is, is fairly, fairly, you know, they're not very not sustainable. The only resources that they need are electricity, you know? So as long as you're getting your electricity, in a somewhat ethical manager, um, which a lot of the time isn't necessarily up to you. You know, like I'm sure you pay your electrical bill and it comes from the city or something, or it does for me. And the way that the city does um, produces their electricity um, is not necessarily up to their consumers. You know, your city could have wonderful alternative energy production or could have terribly not very ethical um, energy production you know and so it really depends on the type of industry you're in um, and all there's so many ways to be sustainable as an individual person it's often overwhelming and a lot of people feel like pretty bombarded or pressured to do everything and my goal is not to be able to do everything but it's to do the best that I can, and inspire other people to also do the best that they can.
0: Fantastic! And so, obviously, you've already achieved a lot, and you've got all these exciting things on the go. Some really big things that you were, you're hoping come to fruition over time. Like like all good things. Um, so how how do you how do you take care of um, your mental health? Because you probably spent a lot of time on it's looking at the screen.
1: Yeah, that's an incredibly valuable question. I think that mental health is far under under discussed and far under complicated. Um, and I think that your perspective on your life is is the most valuable thing that you have. You know, it's attached to your identity. And if you're struggling with your mental health, it can be the end of all of that. Um, and the way that I, that I deal with that is, I believe that, like, you can assign whatever value you want to your life, you know, like, a computer scientist values computer science, or if they don't, they're very unhappy computer scientists, you know, you have this wonderful podcast and the show you're working on that I'm sure aligns a lot with your values and something that you're passionate about. And it may seem like it's out of our control originally, you know, like, oh, I like this. Why do I like this? I don't know. It's just who I am. But I feel like it is within our control um, and it just takes discipline to enjoy things. You have to learn how to enjoy things like originally I when I first started going to the gym. Where I was not super excited. I was like, "This is I just very
0: hard." The gym, like a few, like literally a few weeks ago. So, like, yeah, I can relate to what you're probably about to say. Yeah, yeah. And
1: at the in the beginning, it can be really challenging and really hard. And there's a lot of people in the gym who've been going for years who are just killing it, and can be demoralizing. But the thing is, is you have to be persistent, and over time. Uh, you enjoy the process of getting stronger more, you know, and going to the gym particularly uh, is, is an outlier of an example because there is a lot of science saying how good exercise is for the mental health and for your ability to feel good and healthy in your mind and in your brain, not just in your body. Um and that was the primary reasons that got me into exercising was you know studying how it has so many constructive effects on the brain but you know the point i'm i'm making is that every everybody's different and you know not the same thing is going to work for for everybody but everybody needs some sort of value in their life uh, uh you know for me it's my goals and ambitions like, I would almost argue you that working is a human need, you know, and not just at a job, but towards your goals, you know? Like you have to work towards something. you have to give yourself purpose. And the harder it is, you know, one would say the better, you know, like you want to choose intangible things to give purpose to your life. Like a, a bad ex- an example of a bad, thing to give persons like make a million dollars and the reason that's bad is because once you do that you're gonna face a midlife crisis your whole life has been based off of this metric this tangible metric that you've made and now you have no idea what to do and you're directionless and that's a really unhappy place to be and you know your 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 happiness has to come from the process, not the destination. I think. As I'm a little all over the place because I'm so excited about the topic, but hopefully my tangent comes across.
0: No, for sure, definitely, definitely. Man, and then and then uh, then, I, then I was going to transition into because you you mentioned uh, uh, value, so. Mm. What's the so? I want to know uh, from you. What, why do you uh, value uh, humility uh, so much?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it comes down to thinking about it. Um, uh, your like sense of ego, your sense of self, and there's this saying that I grew up with when I was young. That said all. All the suffering in the world comes from thinking of yourself and all the good in the world comes from thinking of other people. And humility is really valuable to me because it's really easy, you know, I describe my ego as like a, a, a little rascal that I have to have constant wrestling matches with all day. You know, the ego wants, to, wants you to toot your horn and be like everybody to see, and this is amazing, this is great. But I think that it's a lot more valuable to keep your head down, you know, because as soon as you're up on your high horse, you are cannot, um, further fall down, you know, like you're more ignorant, you're not as self-aware, you're less grounded. And I also think it's a more admirable trait, you know, if I meet somebody who's just talking about how great they are, it's what I think immediately in my mind is like, this person's not that great. <laughs> but if I meet somebody who doesn't say a single word and I find out later that they have accomplished these monumental things, I'm like, wow, I really respect that person, one, for accomplishing all these things, but even more so that they keep their head down about it, you know? So that's the type of person I want
0: to be one day. And, and and awesome. And then I think everybody wants that. And how do you think you're doing so far? I think I
1: started out, you know, terribly, <laughs> because you know I was so excited to meet so many people as a uh, growing up without any people, um, and that's okay. It's a learning experience, you know. We I don't think I I think I had got a lot of value from, you know learning from so many different people but different things come into perspective at different times in your life and just as now I value discipline more humility is a big part of being disciplined or you have to be disciplined in being humble because it's your own mind will trick you all the time <laughs> your own mind will trick you it's like not eating sweets you know Your own mind will trick you all the time. It's like, I want to eat the cake. I want other people to think I'm great, you know. But you have to exercise that discipline, you know, and just like in eating healthy, but also practicing humility. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, did you have something else, Chad? Did that kick you up? No, no. I I said it's, it's a process, you know. Nobody's perfectly humble at any point in their life. They just practice humility and maybe get better at practicing it. But your your own mind will always be there to play tricks on you. No matter, it's, it's not a something that you you achieve one day and are like, I'm perfectly humble. All, <laughs> humble. Ironic, right? Right, <laughs> very, very ironic.
0: And then to kind of uh, close out our conversation uh, today, what is what? What is one piece of advice that you'd uh, give to someone that's interested in starting their own brand, whether that's in computer science, marketing, beeswax, snail slime, etc., etc.? <laughs> um,
1: I would I would tell them that it's really hard, um, and if it's it's really valuable thing to do, not because of your chances of succeeding, but because of your chances of learning. And I would encourage them to keep trying no matter how many they didn't, didn't work out, you know, and to learn from all of their mistakes. And I think, I think building a business or a brand is phenomenal character development, you know, phenomenal you know figuring out what your values are and like developing a route well-rounded person because in building a business you will be so incredibly humbled you will feel at times so defeated and at other times on top of the world and you will learn more about yourself than anything else I think that's what I have to
0: say to people who would want
1: brand or business
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thanks for having me, Mike. It was such a pleasure to chat with you.
1: I'm glad we got to connect uh, at some point, and I wish the best for you and excited to see um, where you take the show.
0: Also, I was also excited to see where you go next. And <laughs> like, off, off the record for, uh, from this conversation, I'll... I'll definitely be hitting up your brain box about SEO and keywords, something that I'm currently uh, struggling with. So
1: yeah, whether- yeah, if I can answer any questions, I'd be super happy to do so.
0: Awesome, well, they'll be very rookie based questions, but that, we, we can talk about that later. So guys, thank you uh, for joining us for another episode of the Tea with uh, Mike show. And um, if you enjoyed this conversation with Waylon, uh, please Uh, let us know. Please comment in the comment box uh, below this uh, video, share it with your friends, and also watch all the other great stories on the place that you watch this one at teawithmike.com. One last time, thank you, Waylon.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mike. It's the Tea with Mike Show.